0: Welcome to the Let Me Bend Your Ear podcast. My name is Frank, and I'm the host of the show. If you've listened to previous episodes, thank you for coming back. If this is the first time you're listening, welcome, and I hope you will enjoy the show and continue to be a listener. This podcast discusses three specific topics, movies, sports, and politics. Each episode will be dedicated to one of these topics. Today's show will center on movies. The show is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, Stitcher, TuneIn, and CastBox under Let Me Bend Your Ear Podcast. Please subscribe to the show on any one of these podcast apps so you can receive new episodes direct to your device when they become available. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review the show. This is a very important and simple way you can help the show reach a wider audience. You can also always get episodes of the show from our website at www.letmebendyourear.com. Now, today's episode, I'm going to do two movie reviews. Uh, as I stated on social media, it's going to be something old and something new. Uh, the first review will be something old, which will be the 1946 film The Stranger, starring and directed by Orson Welles. The second film I'll be reviewing will be a newer film, a film actually from 2018, Unsane, directed by Steven Soderbergh, and starring Claire Ford. Both of these movies are available for streaming, so you can watch them anytime you'd like. The Stranger is available on Netflix. And Unsane is available on Amazon Prime. The first film I'm going to review today is the 1946 film The Stranger, starring Edward G. Robinson, Loretta Young, and Orson Welles. Welles also directed the film and contributed to the screenplay alongside writer-director John Huston. Orson Welles portrays Professor Charles Rankin, and as the film opens, he is living in a small Connecticut town, teaching at the college there, and about to marry the daughter of a Supreme Court Justice, played by Loretta Young. Edward G. Robinson's character, Mr. Wilson, we learn is an investigator who is chasing down Nazis that have fled Germany and hiding in America. He's looking for a Nazi named Franz Kindler. And part of his plan to capture Kindler is to allow the release of Conrad Menke, who also shows up into the same town, With the hopes that Minky will attempt to meet up with Franz Kindler and then he can be captured so that's the setup for the film and early on Conrad does meet with Professor Charles Rankin and we find out that the professor is actually the fugitive Franz Kindler and the rest of the movie is the cat and mouse game between Mr. Wilson and Kindler uh, to be captured or to evade capture. Some complications along the way. Obviously, his bride-to-be has no clue of what's going on, but as the film progresses, she starts to realize that the man she's marrying is not who she thinks he is. So again, this is a standard kind of B-movie film noirish type of film that Orson Welles is directing. If you have any knowledge of his career after the success of Citizen Kane, not so much box office success, but critical success, and it becoming widely recognized as one of the greatest American films ever made. The remainder of Orson Welles' career was basically troubled in the sense that he was not really able to make studio pictures very much. His second film, The Magnificent Ambersons, was chopped up after it was completed by the studio. It was edited, and from then on, he found it a large struggle to be hired to do studio pictures because he was very demanding and wanted things done his way with no con- no outside control from anyone else. So The Stranger is actually his third theatrical feature uh, after Kane and The Magnificent Ambersons. So again, a standard film noir, kind of a B-movie type of, of film. I think you probably would have seen it back then as a second part of a double header uh, with a more well-known film. Uh, but there is some good features about this movie. I think the direction of Wells, the actors that he uses in the film, elevates the material to something a little bit better than your typical B-movie for the time. I'm actually going to play a clip from the film where there are several characters are at a dinner party. So you have Franz Kindler, his bride-to-be, Mr. Wilson, and the Supreme Court Justice are discussing. The situation in Germany post World War II, and they ask Professor Rankin's opinion on what should be done in Germany. And the answer he gives is pretty chilling. It starts with a history of Germany, and then he provides a solution to what he thinks would fix the issue there. And obviously, knowing the history of the Holocaust and Hitler's Final Solution, it's a pretty chilling monologue that he gives. And and of course, Orson Welles being the great shakespearean theater actor radio actor one of the greatest voices in hollywood he delivers this monologue beautifully and chillingly so i'm gonna go ahead and play that
1: historian a psychiatrist could explain it better the German sees himself as the innocent victim of world envy and hatred conspired against, set upon by inferior peoples, inferior nations. He cannot admit to error, much less to wrongdoing, not the German. We chose to ignore Ethiopia and Spain, but we learned from our casualty list the price of looking the other way. Men of truth everywhere have come to know for whom the bell tolled, but not the German. He still follows his warrior guards marching to wagnerian strains his eyes still fixed upon the fiery sword of siegfried and in those subterranean meeting places that you don't believe in the german's dream world comes alive and he takes his place in shining armor beneath the banners of the teutonic knights mankind is waiting for the messiah but for the german the messiah is not the prince of peace he's another Barbarossa. Well, then you, uh, you have no faith in the reforms that are being effected in Germany. Well, I don't know, Mr. Wilson. I, I can't believe that people can be reformed except from within. The basic principles of equality and freedom never have, never will take root in Germany. The will to freedom has been voiced in every other tongue. All men are created equal, liberte, egalite, fraternite, but in German. There's Marx. Proletarians unite, you have nothing to lose but your chains. But Marx wasn't a German, Marx was a Jew. But my dear Charles, if we concede your argument, there is no solution. Well, it so once again, I differ. Well, what is it then? Annihilation. The last babe in arms. Oh, Charles, I can't imagine you're advocating a Carthaginian peace. As an historian, I must remind you that the world hasn't had much trouble from Carthage in the past 2,000 years. Well, there speaks our pedagogue.
0: Wanted to play that particular scene from the film, one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Again, I think it's a monologue beautifully delivered by Orson Welles. The remainder of the film from that point is uh, a standard, as I stated earlier, B-movie. Uh, there's the climax of the film, the, the chase to capture... Franz Kindler once he's discovered Uh, so again that's pretty standard Uh, but again as I stated the the acting and direction elevates the material so The Stranger from 1946 I'm going to go ahead and give it three Van Goghs out of five Uh, I would recommend that you look at the movie like I said if you're a fan of Orson Welles and hasn't haven't seen this particular one I think it's a good one to check out Uh, it's not a classic film but it's definitely a watchable and entertaining movie now the second film I'm going to review today is a film from 2018 titled Unsane. The film was directed by Steven Soderbergh. Uh, Most notable in the news, if you read about the movie at its release, is that he shot the film, I believe, on an iPhone 9. So the film was budgeted at about a million dollars, which, of course, is a very low-budget film. It came out to some critical acclaim at the time of its release, and uh, I was able to watch it uh, on Amazon Prime. So the film... Stars Claire Foy, who is known from the Netflix series The Crown, Joshua Leonard, Amy Irving, and comedian Jay Farrow in the movie as well. So the movie opens up with Claire Foy's character, Sawyer Valentini, uh, working at a bank. Uh, they show her job. She's some type of analyst. They don't really get too much into what her job is. But you also find out that she is moved to Pennsylvania from Boston, and is kind of uh, starting uh, her life anew there. Uh, There's an early scene in the film where she talks to her mother on the phone, and this is when you find out that she's moved. And her mother, of course, like all mothers, are concerned about their daughters or their child and wants uh, her to stay in touch. So also early in the film, you see Sawyer go out. Uh, She's talking to a guy at a bar and subsequently brings him back to her apartment where it looks like she's about to embark on a one-night stand. Uh, As things start to get a little hot and heavy, uh, she actually retreats from the gentleman that's at her apartment, runs into the bathroom, locks the door, uh, and starts crying. Uh, So the gentleman leaves, and then the next scene after that, you see her in an office, with what appears to be a psychiatrist or a psychologist, uh, discussing what's going on with her, and she indicates that she had to leave Boston due to someone that was stalking her and uh, kind of gets into that with the psychologist. So at the end of the session, uh, the psychologist uh, asked her to sign some papers after Sawyer, asked her if she can make another appointment because she felt better speaking with her and liked her and uh, would like to, to, to make another appointment. So she signs the papers and then a nurse comes into the room. The psychologist leaves the room, nurse comes in the room and basically says... Um, need you to come with me. So subsequently she comes with the nurse and then she finds out that she's been involuntarily committed and that she signed papers giving them permission to keep her for 72 hours. So that's how the movie starts. So of course she protests. She goes, I have to go back to work. She's pleading with with the staff to let her go, that there's some kind of mistake. But in the meeting, also, you realize that she indicated that she has thought about hurting herself before. So basically, she had told the psychiatrist that she had thought about her hurting herself. So they used that as a as a premise to keep her there. So basically, implying that she's potentially suicidal. So of course, she protests this, uh, gets angry, uh, asks for a phone call to call the police. Uh, the police come, but of course, the the front desk, people shoo, her, shoo the police away. So again, that's the setup of the film. And then what happens is things kind of come to a head when one of the staff members in the clinic looks like the stalker that she fled Boston for. So that's the setup of the movie. So basically, the movie kind of wants you to question whether what's happening to her is real or not in the sense that is is the stalker actually there? Is she being terrorized by the stalker? Is it things that are in her head? Um, So that's really the premise of the movie. Now, I found the movie to be entertaining. And Claire Foy, I haven't seen because I have not watched The Crown. But watching her in this movie, she's really good. Jay Farrow plays another patient in the ward with her that she ends up befriending. And he does a really good job. If you know him, he was on Saturday Night Live for a couple of seasons. uh, Was a pretty good impressionist as a comic. Uh, Haven't seen him since then. So it was um, interesting to see him in this role. Uh, Very good in it as well. Amy Irving plays... Sawyer's mother, so it was good to see her. I haven't seen her in a while. And um, Joshua Leonard plays the staff member that may or may not be her stalker, David Strine. So most of the film I found entertaining. I think some of the things that mar the film is the third act. I'm not going to give away what happens, but suffice it to say, the way the movie ends, you think, I was expecting maybe more of... I don't know if a twist is the right word but i was expecting the premise the central premise of is it real is it not real to be more fully explored in the sense that it wasn't really as disorienting oriented as i thought it should be so i thought any anytime anytime you have a movie where the main character's reality is questioned you want to see more of that explored and to me it didn't seem like this was really explored enough it was kind of really straightforward in its sense so while you question somewhat whether she's this is real or not real, it's not really explored to the point where you you're kept off balance. And I thought had the movie done a better job of doing that, then I think it would have been much better and I would have given it a much better review. But that being said, I enjoyed the performances, I enjoyed the the setup, and it was a unique take on stalking and, and, and the dangers of that and how what I did like about the movie a lot is I think it did, and maybe that was Soderbergh's point, more so than the question of is it real or is it not real, is the question of, or the or the point of how stalking can completely wreck somebody's life in the sense that they have to move, everything about their life changes, even the simplest things that you take for granted as far as when you go to work, when you do this, when you do that is completely affected by someone that's invaded your life that you don't want there so i did like that part of the movie i did like that it showed the effect of stalking on the victim so that part of the movie i thought was really strong i just like i said i just had an issue with the the other main part of whether it was real or this was just her her mind or her paranoia because of the effect the stalker had on her so i thought that could have been executed better but again uh the the talk of stalking in a, in a in a unique way is what I really recommend the film for, and I think it's good to watch. So based on that as well, I'm going to give Unsane three Van Goghs out of five. So again, uh, this is a movie, not a classic movie, but I thought a lot of it was well done. The acting was good. It was entertaining. It just was missing some things for me to take it to that next level of film. So again, I'm giving Unsane three Van Goghs out of five. As I record this um, review tonight. Uh, It was announced earlier today that actor Burt Reynolds passed away in Florida at the age of 82. Now, for people my age and a little bit older, Burt Reynolds was one of the biggest movie stars on the planet for about a five to six year stretch. From the mid-70s to the early 80s, he was the biggest movie star in the world. He started in television in the series Gunsmoke, and uh, his movie career took off when he was in the film, the 1972 John Borman film Deliverance, uh, where actually he gives a great performance. That's a great film, and he's great in it, and culminated, hit his peak when he starred in the first Smoking and the Bandit film, which was a huge hit starring him, Sally Field, Jackie Gleason, and then, of course, he did the Cannonball Run movies. Um, He wrote, he uh, starred in and directed Sharky's Machine, Longest Yard, some really good '70s movies and uh, into the '80s as well. Uh, his career kind of lulled in the '80s somewhat, and uh, he went to television where he starred in uh, the hit comedy *Evening Shade*. And then he had a career resurgence uh, in the mid '90s. Uh, he starred in Striptease, the film with Demi Moore. Uh, the film didn't do well, but his performance was was applauded uh, as the, as the senator that uh, hires the stripper. And then. He turned in an Oscar-nominated supporting performance in 1998's Boogie Nights, the Paul Thomas Anderson film, which is a classic movie, great film, and he's great in it uh, as the porno movie producer. Uh, So it turns in a great performance there. Myself, I've always been a fan of Burt Reynolds. I think the great thing about him is he had an effortless kind of swag, and his performances always seemed relaxed, and he always seemed like he was having fun. And I think he enjoyed his career very much. He enjoyed being a movie star. And if you read uh, about him and his career, he turned down some pretty big roles. He turned down a role in The Godfather. He turned down James Bond. He turned down Han Solo in Star Wars. But he did movies that he enjoyed doing and had a good time doing them. I think the one thing about that, though, was it kind of if um, marred his marred critical response to him as an actor overall. I think... His acting talent was underrated. Uh, He did some very good dramatic roles, and he was actually a decent director as well. Like I said, Sharky's Machine is a good crime drama. He was good in that movie. He was great in The Longest Yard, which is a great movie. That's just a good 70s movie. And Deliverance, as I stated, great performance in that movie. He's great in it, and that's a great movie. So I think he was a very good actor. When given the opportunity to show some range in his acting ability, he would always... Uh, come through. Actually, one of my favorite films that came out in the late 80s was called Breaking In, where he played an old burglar who was mentoring a younger uh, burglar. Good movie as well. Very small film with a great performance by him in it. And he would have those performances sporadically throughout his career. After his stardom waned, he would do some smaller films. He was in some pretty bad 80s movies as well. Um, But he gave some good performances in 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 some movies maybe that you haven't seen. Uh, that movie. There's a movie called Physical Evidence with him and Teresa Russell. Again, not a great movie, but he's good in it. And Burt Reynolds is usually always good in whatever he was in, even if the movie itself wasn't that great. So again, uh, Burt Reynolds passed away at age 82. Uh, So rest in peace, had a great career and was one of the last of the old school movie stars. All right, before I wrap up the show today, I'm going to go ahead and play a promo. For another show. So go ahead and listen to that. And if it's something you're interested in, go ahead and check them out. Uh, This is for the Spice of Life podcast.
2: Hey, what's going on, you variety loving people? I'm Brandon. And I'm Jordan. And we are the hosts of the Secret Spice of Life podcast. Our podcast was created to spread positivity in your everyday lives while encouraging others to follow their dreams. We cover a variety of topics such as business, health and fitness, music, and much, much more. Make sure to check us out on iTunes, Google Play Music, Player FM, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and Podbean for all of our episodes. Thanks, and have a positive and productive day.
0: All right, that was a promo for the Secret Spice of Life podcast. Their Twitter handle is official s s o l. So if you were interested in that promo, go ahead and check them out. And as far as this show, we are on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, Stitcher, TuneIn, and CastBox. So whichever app you listen to, I would encourage you to rate and review, especially if you do listen on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. If you do listen to this episode or any episode of the show, uh, I would uh, ask that you would rate and review or at the very least rate the show. Uh, Hopefully, you'll give it a five-star review. Um, If you can uh, do that, that's a quick way to help the show uh, attract followers and listeners. Uh, again, not to get into it, and because frankly, I don't know <laughs> the ins and outs of how Apple does their algorithms or analytics or however you want to term them. But I do know, uh, in listening to po- podcasts, both big and small, independent and large podcasts, they all pretty much deliver the same message. So I'm going to add my voice to that message: is that rating and reviewing shows that you enjoy. Helps generate the show higher in search engines. So when people are looking for this type of show, uh, the more reviews, the more ratings that a show has, the higher profile it receives on Apple Podcasts. And obviously, the lifeblood of any podcast is to attract listeners and download so that's what I'm trying to do and uh, I appreciate the reviews that have already been put up there so again I want to thank everyone that has actually put a review on iTunes Uh, so if you could do that I would really appreciate it again I hope you enjoyed today's show I hope you uh, listened to uh, previous shows if this is the first time you've listened uh, I think you'll find in my particular podcast which is one of my goals is to provide a variety of Of subjects, even though the show focuses on three specific topics, Uh, there's a lot of great podcasts that are singularly focused on one specific topic, which I think is wonderful. And I listen to a lot of them. I know for me, it was better to do the three things that I'm passionate about, which is movies, sports and politics. It makes this show more fun for me to do. Uh, It gives me a variety of topics to tap into. So it's not the same old show every week. And hopefully uh, that's been reflected in the shows that you've listened to. If you've listened to them, if you uh, take a look uh, through episode one to this episode 11, I think you'll see a pretty good variety of topics. So if not every topic is for you, there's at least hopefully something one or two or three episodes uh, that you would enjoy. Uh, Hopefully you'll enjoy them all, but at least you can kind of pick and choose what interests you the most. So again, if you do listen on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review. Uh, Also, uh, if you could share... Uh, My Twitter on your social media or Instagram, that'd be great. Uh, The Twitter handle is at BendYourEarPod. That is also the handle for Instagram, BendYourEarPod. I have a page on Facebook as well. Uh, So if you could do that, just, you know, if you listen to an episode that you like, uh, tell a friend. And as I said, there's three different topics on the show. So if you share this with uh, other people, uh, even if you share a specific episode, like episode 8 where I interviewed uh, the author of Cigar City Mafia or episode Ten, where I talk about polarization, or episode six, which is my rom-com corner, where I interviewed—excuse me—reviewed a romantic comedy. Um, So there's there's a good variety there. So if you pick one, you know, if it's something that you're interested in, and you know other people are interested in, if you could share it on your social media, I'd really appreciate it. So again, I hope you enjoyed today's show, and uh, I hope everyone has a wonderful week and weekend, and take care.